Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from Deuteronomy 30. Not the Old Testament reading for today, but Deuteronomy 30, which is an alternate reading. And there, in this farewell sermon that Moses preached, we have these words. The Lord God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law, and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. These are the words of our God, as spoken by Moses, his prophet. In Christ Jesus, your fellow redeemed elect of God, you who together with me rejoice that the Lord delights in us. I think that the most marvelous, most unimaginable, most incredible event in all of history is the fact that the Lord God Jehovah, the only true God, the creator of all, sacrificed himself for his people to rescue them from eternal doom. At the same time, just as amazing, is the fact that while billions of people here on this earth do not know or believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as their one and only personal Savior, God the Holy Spirit has made him known to us, brought us to faith in him, and promises us eternal life. What grace, what undeserved love. Truly, God delights in his people. And that is the thought, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Moses wanted to impress upon his people and upon us. God, the Lord God, delights in his people. God had chosen the Israelites to be his special people. They were the ones from whom and to whom the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ was to come. For no reason but in his grace, God chose Abraham to be the one from, whom, from whose family this Savior should come. And he said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
God changed the name of Abraham's grandson from Jacob to Israel, and so we have the Israelites. Now, the children of Israel became a nation of some two to three million people while they were living in slavery down in the land of Egypt. God sent them a deliverer in the person of Moses to lead them out of slavery into the promised land of Canaan, a land, God said, that was flowing with milk and honey. Truly, God delighted in his people. And the Lord God knows that we are all sinners. He did not make us that way. We inherited our sinfulness from our parents and they from theirs all the way back to Adam and Eve who were deceived by the devil himself and fell into sin. The Israelites, too, were sinners. But God loved all sinners so much, he promised them a champion in the person of his son to do battle with the old evil foe, the devil. The devil would be utterly defeated, doomed, the Savior himself would suffer a mortal wound, but would rise from the dead on the third day. Yes, with his holy, precious blood, the Lord Jesus Christ made full payment for the sins of all people and promised eternal life to all who believed in him, those from long ago and those today and those in the future, all those who believe in him by God's grace have eternal life. Unfortunately, sinners love to sin. Was that way in the Old Testament time, and it's still that way today. In order to bring about the repentance in which God delights, Moses said, the Lord God will circumcise your hearts. The reason hearts needed to be circumcised is because as Jesus pointed out, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual sins, thefts, false testimonies, and blasphemies. To circumcise the heart, to cut the heart, means discipline. The Israelites, standing on the border of the promised land of Canaan, itching to get in and settle down, had experienced the discipline of the Lord God. For 40 years, they had been wandering through the wilderness, not because they didn't know the way to the land of Canaan, but because God was disciplining them. Remember that they had come to Canaan many years before this, but then the people refused to enter because 10 of the 12 uh, spies told them that while the land was indeed rich and prosperous, it, the inhabitants were also very numerous and powerful. And so the children of Israel made the ill-advised decision not to enter the land and that was in spite of the fact that God had just reduced the, 
powerful nation of Egypt into quivering nothings with the ten plagues and had drowned the army of the Egyptians in the water of the Red Sea. Because they rejected the advice of Caleb and Joshua, the other two spies who told them with, that with God's help they could indeed enter and take the land, God told them that all those people 20 years old and older would die in the wilderness. All those youngsters under 20 years of age learned a powerful lesson. God says what he means and he means what he says. All their parents died within the next 38 years. As the people of God wandered in the wilderness, God provided them with all that they needed for their body and life. He gave them manna and quail, brought water out of a rock, and fought their battles for them. God gave them his law from Mount Sinai so that they would remain separate from the heathen nations and that they would be able to give glory to God. But most importantly, so that they should recognize their desperate need for a savior from sin. And over time, God expanded upon that promise of the Messiah. And when the time was just right, God sent his son, as he had promised, to redeem all sinners. Truly, the Lord delighted in his people. On the blessings of God, were rehearsed for the children of Israel every Sabbath as they sat in their tents and meditated upon the mercies and the promises of God. The multitude of sacrifices were visible evidence of the earthly and spiritual blessings of God. The Passover meal, for example, was a powerful witness of God's ability and power to save. God caused Moses to write down all of these things and much more in the first five books of the Bible. The children of Israel didn't have to doubt about anything. They had all the information that they needed right there. Truly, God delighted in his people as they used that word which he had given them and which led them then to repentance and more faith, more confidence in God himself. Moses said, this happened so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live and to obey the Lord and keep his commands and decrees. Even though Moses would not any longer be their leader, God would be with them as they continued to turn to him with all of their hearts and souls. No matter where they would go or how far away from God they might wander, the way back to God was a short trip through his word. The word of God embraces every sinner with forgiveness and empowers them 
to live a life of obedience to God and his word. Thus, the Lord delighted in his people. And he delights in you and even in me. He delights in us. My friends, he elected us from eternity to be his very own through holy baptism. He brought us to faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and made us members of his family with three hands full of water and the word of God. He put his name on us and made us heirs of all the blessings that he has to give to his children, in particular, the blessings of the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation in the mansions of heaven. In his grace, he says to each one of us, you are mine. Now, as the people of God, we can expect our loving Heavenly Father to discipline his children. As long as we live in this sinful world with these sin-filled bodies constantly being tempted and falling to the temptations of the devil himself, we will find ourselves in need of discipline. God hates sin. And therefore the Bible says the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and corrects every son he accepts. Thank God for his discipline. It means he loves you. Now, as the Bible also says, no discipline seems pleasant while it is happening, but painful. Yet it yields a peaceful harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. While God has forgiven all sin because Jesus Christ, God's Son, carried all the sins of all people of all time in his own body to the cross of Calvary and there poured out his holy precious blood in full payment for all of our sin and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, yet there are consequences of sin. For example, Adam and Eve, though forgiven, were expelled from the garden. King David, though he was forgiven of his sins of adultery and murder, saw his son die. When we suffer as a result of our sin, whether the suffering is obvious to all or it is the silent suffering of an accusing conscience, we remember that the consequences of sin come from God's loving, chastening hand and not from the rod of a vengeful judge. Our suffering is not a payment for sin, for Jesus has paid the full price for all of our sins with his suffering death and the shedding of his holy, precious blood. Rather, our suffering helps us to remember the mercy of God in removing the eternal suffering which we so 
much deserve on account of our many sins and leads to repentance to the delight of the Lord and all of his holy angels. Repentance is an integral part of the Christian life as long as we live here on this earth. God's children are sincerely sorry for the sins with which they have offended the holy God and place all of their faith, hope, trust, and confidence in the forgiveness of sins purchased for them by Jesus himself. Daily, we are moved to sorrow over our sins and to despair of our own righteousness. Daily, we call to mind the message of the gospel of the promise of the forgiveness in the word of his in, in, in the word of our God and in our baptism. Our father Luther wrote in the 95 Theses, in the very first one, when our Lord Jesus Christ says repent, he means that the entire life of the Christian should be one of repentance. Yes, indeed, daily we say, forgive us our sins. Now, while it may be one of the greatest sorrows that we are not able to offer a perfect life or a perfect, even a perfect work to our God, which would need no repentance, yet it is our greatest joy that the Lord Jesus Christ has done exactly that for us. In, it is in him and him alone that we have eternal life. And because Jesus has done it all, we strive all the more to live for him who died for us. We are delighted to work for him who delights in us. The deeper our repentance, our sorrow over sin, the greater our joy in the good news of the forgiveness of sins, and the greater our eagerness to do those things that reflect our gratitude for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Christians delight to be in the word of God. Through the word, especially the gospel, whether spoken, read, or administered in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, God enters the heart and dwells there. Through the word, the Lord works by his spirit to create, believe, and repent, and produce the fruits of repentance. That is, the good works, like those of the Samaritan in our gospel lesson for this morning, or as Paul told the Colossians, so that you live in a way that is worthy of the Lord, by bearing fruit in every kind of good work, but always and only through the word. God's people believe that their relationship with the Lord of grace is not achieved by some tremendous work or effort on their part, nor will they come to know God by a secret wisdom from some exotic place or through some extraordinary spirit of one kind or another. They, the simple, readily understood word of God in any one of the many 
very good translations that we have today provides us sinners with all that we need to receive the forgiveness of sins, peace, and joy purchased for us by the only Savior we will ever have. Thus, the one who believes that the Lord delights in him or her delights also in the Lord and is in the Word of God. As Jesus said, he who belongs to God hears what God says. As the people of God, we are delighted to hear, learn, read, study, and listen to what God says in his Word because it tells us how God delights in us that he sent and sacrificed his one and only Son to redeem us, and in him we have the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life in heaven. As the Apostle John said, we love him because he first loved us, and we are delighted. Amen.